0: great. Do you have a seat? Let me just pray and say thank, thank you to God. Father, we thank you that through that community meal of bread and wine, we are closer together and closer to you. Be with us now as we uh, look at your word and for the rest of this Meeting and the rest of the week ahead. Amen. Um, well, let me read the reading, which will come up on the screen and you can follow um, as well. The readings from Exodus chapter uh, 17, uh, and it's a story of Moses praying. The Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, Choose some of our men and go out and fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow, I will stand on the top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. So Joshua fought the Amalekites, as Moses had ordered, and Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. And when Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on one side and one on the other so that his hands remained steady until sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, write this on a scroll as something to be remembered and make sure that Joshua hears it because I will completely blot out the name Amalek from under the heavens. Moses built an altar and called it, the Lord is my banner. He said, because hands were lifted up against the throne of the Lord, The Lord will be at war against the Amalekites from generation to generation. Um, So today's the end of our series, Sun Stands Still, looking at prayer, inspired by that occasion when Joshua prays that the sun will stand still. And the talks we've had so far have had a practical focus. We've looked at the practicalities of prayer and how prayer can help us uh, with our self-identity to understand who we are. Uh, We've looked at um, having our personal passion for prayer and how we respond when God is silent and not speaking to us. Uh, But so far, we've in effect looked several times inwardly at prayer. We've looked at prayer to ourselves and for our own self-benefit. And in this final talk, we actually turn and face another direction and consider prayer As something that exists for the benefit of other people beyond ourselves. We're thinking about the city and our neighborhoods where we work, where we study. We're thinking about the needs of people who maybe don't go to church or don't know how to pray or um, don't feel they have a connection with God in order to talk to God about their needs or their concerns or questions. Uh, An outward-looking focus on prayer. As I was thinking about this talk, I realized that I've had my own journey in in prayer over the last um, year or so. Um, Years ago, God told me once when I was praying, and I wrote it in my journal, lead the church through prayer. Uh, And actually at the time it was really hard to do that, I was the only member of staff and so uh, I was trying to lead the church through prayer, but I was also ordering paper cups and like doing PowerPoint and organizing rotors and lots of things and lots of things that basically I'm not any good at. And so my capacity to look outwards beyond myself through prayer was quite diminished. Over time, wonderful people have picked up different responsibilities and have started leading different areas. And the result of that, for me, is it's given me back some capacity to be able to pray. I don't mean praying for myself, I would always do that, but the prayer for me that's outward looking about what's happening in the church and what's happening um, uh, beyond. And some of the things that we've done over the last few years, for me, have all been birthed in prayer when we looked. Big with Alpha, when we started doing hubs, uh, when we started our big idea system to plan Sunday meetings, when last summer we, we felt a call to prayer and fasting at the beginning of this year, the year of invitation and, and what if, being more open to the Holy Spirit and some of the next steps with services. All of those things, for me, have come out of uh, being able to spend time and pray and ask God, what, what are we doing next? beyond ourselves. And I've still got some things that are in the prayer oven that I'm just sort of, you know, getting ready to cook, and when when they're ready, we'll be able to talk about those. So that's just a little bit about my journey. In this passage, we have this incredible picture of Moses holding up his hands. And actually, the the holding up of hands is uh, an ancient euphemism for prayer. If, if, you, if you said somebody held up their hands, what it would mean is they were praying. And every culture has different ways of responding, connecting uh, posture and how we move our body to things that we intend or mean through that. So if I said, for example, uh, "Let us pray," some of you might imagine now kneeling down or putting your hands together. It depends if you had a church background and what type of church you went to so we might imagine that uh, prayer in a certain context means kneeling down but that's just like a cultural response there are others for example jesus um in his time as a as a rabbi uh, he would have stood to read the scripture and he would have sat down to teach um so um Today, I'm standing up to teach, but if I, if I was 2,000 years ago and a Jewish rabbi, I would stand to read the scripture, but then I would sit down to teach, because when you sit, you're in a teaching posture. So these, are, these things are, are, are cultural, but they're ways in which we express ourselves um, through our bodies. And for Moses, this gesture of holding up his hands is a, is a tangible sign of his prayerful openness of Uh, actively engaging with God of his dependence and surrender and his expectation that God is going to move. He's also, when he's praying, holding this staff in his hand. That's the same staff that he threw down before Pharaoh and it turned into a snake and then back into a staff again. Uh, It's the same staff that he uh, touched the river and the Red Sea split so they could go through. So he's got his kind of Prayer tool, his God-given symbol of his prayer authority and his cultural uh, expression, his gesture, gesture of how um, to pray. Now, this is far too theoretical. I thought let's have a visual demonstration of this, and so Jess has very kindly agreed to come out. I may have slightly misrepresented to Jess the extent of what he's about to do, but he's all in. He's an all-in kind of guy, so uh, he's he's up for it. It's too late to back out. Jess, thanks so much. So, so, for the purpose of this exercise, uh, that's perfect to stand there, uh, Jess is now Moses. <laughs> okay. So Moses, Lord, you're all going to pray, so great. And um, I've got actually a few couple uh, for you. Um, so Mo- Moses has the God-given staff, so let, let's have that in. And Moses was also the guy that went up uh, Sinai, he got, he got like the commandments, so I've got an example of the Lion Bible Storyteller Bible, so let's just like the word of truth, so he can hold that. So let's leave Moses here as a symbol of uh, uh, our parable, the parable the story that we've just read, and uh, let's just, you know, this is going to be tough work for him, that's a heavy stuff that God made, God's word is a heavy burden uh, Harry. so I want you to keep your eyes on him and if if uh, when he starts to flag and he may start to flag you know, you've got to keep that up um I'm not going to ask you to do it but I want people to come out and help hold him up okay if you can find a stone he can sit on it but um otherwise you're going to have to hold up uh his arms for him to keep them up in prayer and then when you've done maybe a couple of minutes we'll send you back and we'll see who else can come so Moses, crack on with prayer. Just want you to know that right now there's an army winning because you're praying with your special wand and and uh, the Bible. So that's great. Okay. The let me jump to another passage uh, in the Old Testament that talks about this same theme about prayer. Uh, looking beyond ourselves. Are you watching Moses? Make sure he's doing okay. Jeremiah 29.7 says this, Seek the welfare of the city where I've sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf for its welfare. In its welfare, you will find your welfare. Jeremiah was writing to God's people who were in a time of exile. They'd been uh, driven out into uh, Babylon. They were in captivity, so they were unhappy. To be in that city, they were displaced. Uh, They were probably, that's good. (laughs) So we can have two because it was Aaron and her that helped. Um, So if anyone else wants to come out, that's fine. So God's people were uh, uh, displaced, and yet God said to them, People who belong to God, seek the welfare of the city. Don't just seek your own welfare seek the welfare of the city. They were told, pray to the Lord on their behalf. And they were told, uh, in their well-being, you will find your well-being as well. And the danger, I think, of any church is that we can become inward-looking. We can talk about prayer, and we can just talk about ourselves. Or if we get beyond ourselves, we then think about my best friend and the other people that I like in church. And it's, it's okay to do that, but it's important if we have this conversation about prayer that we also remember that prayer is not just about us. In Isaiah 58, we're told um, that if we pray for ourselves but don't care for the poor of the city, God says, I won't even hear your prayers. So God's saying, prayer and mission that looks outward... And justice and poverty care that's beyond the church are all tied to each other. You can't just do one and not have a heart for the other. You can't engage in one and not engage in others. Okay, so you supporters, will send you back, and then someone else will have to come out and help him for the next. You're doing well, Moses. You're doing well. I feel like we're winning. I really do. I feel like God's favor is on us right now. So keep going. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so good. This is so good. <laughs> and this, this form of prayer, this out, outward-looking uh, focus, uh, is simply called intercession. Now, if you had a conversation with your parents or your grandparents and you talked about prayer, the thing they would think of first would probably be intercession. And so older generations have instinctively understood prayer as first and foremost... The means by which people that know God bless others who don't know God. Now we're actually in a kind of different generation that instinctively thinks about ourselves and our needs and our identity first, and then if we've got enough capacity, well done, guys, Aaron and her. Uh, then we then we look outwards, but it's 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 important that we almost redress the balance between the two. If we just pray, think. ourselves, then we're actually, that's really good. I I think that is actually how they did it. Because Aaron was taller and you're just, it's just the way it works. I don't know if anyone's found a stone yet, um, or you could sit on someone, I guess that would work. Um, Timothy 2.1 says this, I urge you first of all, pray for all people, ask God to help them, intercede On their behalf and give thanks for them. I was with a group of leaders this week in London and we got on to talking about some of the revival stories. These were American leaders so they were very interested in kind of UK history and we were chatting about some of the revivals, Welsh revival uh, and also the Hebrides revival and I pulled up one of the stories and I want to read some of it to you, just mainly about the beginnings because it it reminds us of the importance of praying. And the years 19... Uh, 49 uh, and the islands of lewis which are like the outer outer hebrides and two old women one is 84 and one was 82 uh, one was completely blind and the other nearly blind footnote almost every revival in history has two grannies praying okay Um, so there's just it's just a thing so these two old ladies blind and nearly blind probably there wasn't a lot they could do but they knew they could pray and that's what they gave themselves to and they they were moved by the state of their parish that so few people came to church on sunday and they said in the journals not a single young p- person attended public wo- worship and so they set themselves this discipline of praying uh for two half nights um each week and their prayer was from the psalms i God, pour water on him that's thirsty, and flood upon the dry ground. And then they kind of uh, reprimanded their church leader and said, "You should be really bothered about this. So you must come and join us to pray, and you must bring um, the elders." Um, how you doing? Doing all right? Great. Moses doing okay? So uh, they they so the the minister came and the elders of the church came and they gathered and they did that for several weeks and then one night uh, a young man from the church that had come um, he felt moved by uh, psalm 24 who shall ascend the hill of the lord him that has clean hands and a pure heart and so they kind of began to repent on behalf of their society that had sort of turned away um, from going to god and that kind of carried on for several weeks and then there was one night a breakthrough night they met with the holy spirit um, it was the middle of the night. They were praying. And then as they left and went back, they found 400 people gathered in the chapel. Middle of the night. 400 people had just got up and gathered in the chapel. The next night, there was a, a, um, a, a party. In it, and in the journal, they wrote, 100 young people were at a dance. And people that from the prayer meeting went in there. And the, the, hun- and the people in the dance would start to be moved. They were convicted about, are they they right before God? And they ended up in the chapel. And that night, there were 600 in the chapel. The next morning, 400 people were queuing outside the police station to ask for help in how they could be forgiven their sins. So they just, they couldn't (laughs) find the minister, so they thought, let's go to the police station. (laughs) Perhaps we can get forgiven for their sins. And then this revival kind of spread, it spread through people, people who uh, who had connected with God, uh, went to other places and there uh, and people got moved um, there was a revival at the school children were sharing their faith with other children children moved to tears and repentance asking their children to pray for them so they could receive jesus into their lives and and the revival swept through most of the hebrides uh, and the whole society was changed crime rates just disappeared overnight and the courts were empty and the chapels were full and it all began with two old ladies Who understood that they needed to turn outwards and to pray okay guys let's switch you out see how he does on his own a bit well done keep going Moses how are you feeling got any got any tremors yet get in there yeah you don't need to go you're gonna this is gonna be a workout g2 workout well done so we could just stop there and go oh okay there you go prove my case let's just all pray more but the thing is, there are reasons why we are not praying as much as we could do for, for people that don't go to church, for, for our city, for our neighborhoods, for where we work and study, for the things we hear about on the news, and we go, oh, that's awful. And then, but there's, there are reasons why we don't automatically translate that into intercessory prayer. So if you start struggling, come on, two more people come out, Aaron and her need to come out. Get a woman on it, yeah, well done. The first reason I think is this this is good improvising. I think this is basically how it happened. I watched the video of the original uh i 'm sure that 's how it happened, and the first the first reason is that prayer is hard uh it 's It can take time. It can be boring to pray. Prayer cannot be the thing we want to do at that moment because we've got something better to do at the time. Maybe we don't know how to pray or where to pray or what to say. Perhaps nothing seems to happen or God is actually silent or we're not sure what to do or we wonder, have we prayed enough? Tell you what, guys, Moses, job done, well done. So give you a round of applause. Thank you, Aaron's and hers, and Miss Erin. And why don't you all hold your hands out? Why don't you all be Moses now? Just hold your hands out. The easy option, you can almost have it on your lap. The harder option, you can just hold it out. Go for whatever you feel right. Just just hold that, just as you feel, as you feel the hardness of it. Remember, prayer's hard. Prayer's not just easy. The idea of prayer's easy. A few words, easy, but it, to give yourself to intercession, like these ladies, half nights of prayer, all nights of prayer. It's hard work, like holding our hands out now. Uh, Romans eight twenty-six recognizes this. It says, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. And then it goes on to talk about prayer. And it says, the Spirit moves within you. Sometimes you don't have the, even the words to express. And so the Holy Spirit helps you at your point of weakness. So I think we all have a natural bias to actually find this praying for others as a hard thing. The other reason prayer is hard is it's a a spiritual battle. Um, Moses was praying for an actual battle but when we pray we're also praying for a spiritual battle. When we pray you know there's things happening in the heavenlies that we we can't see. We're not supposed to see because we've We'd never understand it, you know, but the Bible talks about, oh, an- angels are dispatched uh, because of our praying, and, uh, and uh, archangels are, are fighting. So you just kind of call that spiritual warfare. The point is not that we get fascinated by that and try and think about that all the time, because that's rubbish. We're not thinking then about Jesus. But uh, uh, if, we're, if we're in this spiritual battle, of course we might find our bit of it, the praying bit of it, might be hard. So that's the reason why it might be hard we can also just get bored like that's a really first world problem but you might just get bored you might be just thinking about all the things that you could be doing you might feel too tired you might feel that you're too busy to pray and one of the challenges of our generation is that we we have an abundance of technology that can distract us from being able to pray we can be connected at any time that we want electronically we can be entertained at any moment because we've got the devices with us at any time. We have an unparalleled access to uh, telephone, to television, to to media, to social media, to Facebook. And what, one of the things that's happened is we've sort of lost that capacity to find solitude. And solitude, in times past, was people's route into prayer. Jesus said, "When you pray, go off." find a solitary place and speak to your Father in heaven. And if we never ever have solitude, then it's very hard to step into prayer. And so we become this kind of prayerless society where maybe we are busy, but part of it is actually just the feeling of being busy because there are so many things that might be interacting with us. Prayer is hard because of the world, because of our flesh that wants to do other things, because of the devil. And it, it wars against, that desire wars against the, the capacity to communicate, the desire to always be able to be in touch and, and always to be entertained. And the prayer we're talking about is also something that stretches us beyond just some set words or just a token sentence and then we're done. It's it's an engagement into something that's hard work. How are you doing? Do you want to keep at it? <laughs> prayers hard, mate. I just that's point one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Pre- point two, Pre- prayer's a mystery. Why would why do we why should we pray? Like why why? It's it's an unusual <laughs> thing. Why would God say, Lifting up our hands? And speaking at our words will be his way, that his kingdom will come and his will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Why? It's not scientific. It's not logical. It's not deterministic. It's, it's hard to understand. It's a, it's, a, it's a mystery. This commission to pray from God is a, is a mystery. It's hard to fully understand. And we could all think of more efficient ways, you know, text to G-O-D and get an instant reply. (laughs) Or, you know, fill out this form and it's got boxes for each type. You know, you tick what type of prayer request it is and within 28 days your answer will be delivered. We could think of far more, you know, tangible, uh, practical ways in which God might engage with human beings like us. Yet God has decided to do it through this thing called prayer. And it's a mystery. It's a mystery because in prayer we're connecting with this Almighty God in heaven, who is in a sense unknowable. Some of you are still going, well done. And the third reason is this pres prayer's, prayers not a certainty. It's it's not an absolute, definite. Hardly ever can you ever with total certainty match prayers with results with certainty. It's impossible to ever prove that God spoke to you, to prove it. You can think, th- I think God spoke to me. We prayed for that thing and something happened. I think it's God. And so praying is more like an art and less like a science. It, uh, it's, 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 it really has definite and absolute Conclusions. It can feel like hearing half of a conversation. It can feel like sending a message in, the, in a bottle and you just you throw it off and you don't know for certain that it's been received. It can feel like trying to tune into a radio station and there's so much interference and you can barely get the clear signal coming through. Nevertheless, I'm sure we can all think of an example when we prayed for something and we think God did something. John Wesley put it like this. He says, when I pray coincidences happen I, 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 that helps me to see it that way I can't prove anything in prayer it, it, by its very nature it's impossible for me to prove but when I pray more God things happen you're nearly there, keep going um, let me tell you one story uh, my, next, my wife's called Amanda my next door neighbour's called Amanda so my wife, myself and my next door neighbour had a, had a common dirty secret which was we each got parking tickets okay, at about the same time So uh, I prayed about it and paid, just saying. Um, (laughs) uh, Amanda's, my wife's Amanda's still contesting hers, (laughs) ever hopeful for a good outcome. And the next door neighbor basically said, "Uh, it's wrong, so take me to court. So they said, yeah, we'll take you to court. And they took her to court, and she got this court date. And as the court date approached, um, it was really stressing her out. Next door neighbor, by the way, doesn't go to church. Um, so it's really stressing her out she actually struggles struggling to sleep some nights even took a day off work just through the stress of it she was set to go to court on a Tuesday and the Sunday evening she popped round to say hi and as she was leaving she said um, say, say one for me to the big man upstairs because <laughs> that's how you say it when you don't you, don't, you're like, you haven't got the jargon so I said, and actually, I was, I'd, already, I'd already thought, I will, be, I will pray for her, because this is, this is a really it's a hard thing. It's, it's, it's spoiling her life. Um, so uh, I said, definitely, definitely will. So I made a promise, so I put it in my diary to pray that night and to pray on the Tuesday morning. Um, on the Tuesday morning, when I prayed, I kind of had this thought, I think it's going to go really well. And, and I, I ummed and had, shall I tell her, shall I message her or not? And then I thought, God, I don't want to drop you in it. Like, <laughs> I don't want to overpromise and under-deliver. So I thought, oh, let's just see what happens. Anyway, later on that day, my wife, uh, Amanda, texted me. She said, guess what? She got off. So that evening, she pop, I popped around to see her. For, she told me the story. So I said, what happened? She said, oh, I was so nervous. I was so nervous. All these people going into the um, court. And then like, you're in and out pretty quick. And they're coming out crying. And she said, and then the lawyer came to see me. She said, do you want to settle out of court? And she didn't quite understand that. She thought that was worse. Um, So she thought, oh, it's like, is there going to be thousands and thousands? I'll be bankrupt. I won't have a home. So she's like, she's absolutely distraught. And the lawyer sort of looked through the paperwork and said, how about we settle for nothing? Nothing to pay. Uh, We'll just write your ticket off. Um, So, um, and I prayed for her. So I went, I went round that night when I heard that story and I said, that is definitely God. Now, I can't prove it, but I thought, (laughs) Let's take a chance on it. So I said, that is definitely God. And I said to her, God has just forgiven your parking ticket. God has just shown you how much he loves you. Now, I can't prove, by the way, if you've still got your hands up, you can put them down now. Well done. Oh, can you feel the burn? Is it? Oh, hashtag G2 workout. Um, and we often struggle because we, we never fully know Prayer's hard, it's mysterious, and we never fully know. Uh, I want to cur- encourage you, and we're going to have an act of prayer in a minute, to see the importance of giving ourselves to intercede on behalf of others. And if you like, it was really important that we had four sessions learning how to pray, because we need to learn, we need to grow and get better. It's, it's quite good that we practice by praying just for ourselves, Or praying for other people in church but here's the point that's not the end game the end game is that we become really good and rise up to the calling to pray for those who don't yet know Jesus because their well-being is our well-being God loves the city he loves your university he loves your place of work he loves your street he loves my next-door neighbors He loves people that don't know him yet and he's calling them and he wants them to see that he's alive and he is relevant to their lives and he's placed us strategically near to them so that we can be his prayer ambassadors to reach out to others. Even through a story as simple one day as praying for somebody who got a parking ticket and maybe they just get a little glimpse that maybe there is a God in heaven that's remotely interested in my life. Watch the space, see what happens with that. And I've, I've been reading um, recently about the history of church growth. And I can tell you, in any period when the church grew, when people came in, in mass numbers to, to know God, you will always, always, always find a prayer meeting at the heart and beginning of it. A meeting that looked outwards in prayer and prayed not for themselves but for others and maybe only prayed for themselves in the sense that they wanted to be sent out to reach out to other people. Who knows what God could do in our city if all the Christians that lived here rose up to this calling and we prayed. And wouldn't it be great if we all just naturally acquired the habit that actually it was just normal for us when we heard about things that were happening and people in need that our response was to be able to pray. And then God might act or God might say something or God might reveal some of his uh, grace to people who don't yet know him. What if your best prayers were prayed for someone else? Here's what we're going to do. I know the guys have got like an act to, to pray and it'd be good for us to talk first just to get some things in our head. And I want you to think, having heard this talk, about an outward looking idea of prayer and to think... What, what could or should you be praying for you, where you live, for, you, for, for your city? What are the needs in the city of York that we should be praying for? What are the needs in our nation? What are the things that we should be lifting up to God that are like global uh, issues of importance? What, what are the needs maybe in friends or people that you're... Um, aware of what what are those could you can you bring them to mind so let's just have two minutes turn to the people next to you and just say what you think those things are and then we're going to use that in our act of prayer in a minute so over to you